This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So if you're brand new to New Life, that's just a slice of who we are. Um, We have a great time together. And for the next four weeks, we are going to be just peeling back the onion and taking a look at who we are. And um, I want to show you, well, I have a couple of things we'll get into. That's what I wanted to show you. Yeah, some of you, you recognize those are your friends. We're doing this. Anybody watch This Is Us with NBC? Yeah, yeah. You recognize that's a shameless ripoff, right? <laughs> sort of, sort of. But there's no way we could do that and not have those be people from our church. And they are people from our church. And we're going to dig in to those pictures in just a minute. But I, I just want to say thank you to the Nyamans and the Shinzados and the Butlers for allowing us to uh, feature them in this series. This is the beginning of 2019. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, what a great way to begin the year. For some of you, 2018 was a great year. For some of us, it was a tough year, okay? And I'm sure that all of us faced challenges in 2018 that were probably bigger than we thought they might be. And uh, no doubt, as we look ahead to 2019, with a lot of hope and so forth, and I think that's wonderful, uh, some of us may face challenges in this year that are bigger than what we thought. Um, So... I just wanted to begin this new year with prayer. So would you join me with a prayer? God, thank you that no matter what comes our way in this year, it will not have taken you by surprise. You will never sit on your throne and go, "Uh uh-oh, didn't see that coming. But in every case, not that you would cause everything that comes into our life, you're very clear you don't, but you're also very clear that nothing that comes into our life will ever be a real serious challenge for you. It'll never be bigger than you. It'll never even be close to the same size as you. So would you give us the faith and the courage to take you by the hand and walk with you through this year? And you've also told us, God, that no matter what comes our way in life, that you have a way of turning it around for good. No matter how challenging or disastrous it might seem in the moment. So God, would you increase our faith today? And would you uh, just continue to pull us together as a church? Would you continue to give us wonderful influence in the communities around here? And would you make us just a wonderful uh, source of light and hope and inspiration and joy to a world that's often very broken. That's our prayer, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Before I get into This Is Us, on the inside of your program, you've probably already dropped something. A little card, right? Wow. I had one of those up here. I don't know where it went. Okay. Grab the little card. There you go. Thank you, Ashley. 
The reason why this little card is in your, in your program is uh, we have a guy in our church with an absolutely fabulous story of how God could take something that seems absolutely disastrous and turn it around and make it wonderful and beautiful. His name is Gordon McGee, and Gordon comes from a background of, of extreme addiction, and God broke that addiction in his life and turned him into a wonderful Bible student and Bible scholar. And Gordon has spent the last year working on 20 videos that are all 7 to 10, maybe 12 minutes in length, called Foundations of Faith. And uh, the card will tell you how you can find them. And if you're looking for a way to grow your faith, Gordon actually shot them upstairs in a room in our building. So they haven't been sent to some professional producer and all that kind of stuff. But if you're looking for rock-solid Bible teaching on how to grow and build your faith, I just want to recommend Foundations of Faith. Gordon, would you stand, please? I know, he doesn't like this. Yes. Would you? Gordon's one of my heroes and one of my best friends. So there you go. That's my recommendation for a way to start this year. Now, let's talk about this picture, okay? Who are we? Well, we are a multi-generational church, as you can see. We are a multi-ethnic church that also works very hard on gender diversity and lots of other things. But probably most, what we are most known for is being a church that absolutely loves people unconditionally right where they are. And I hope that that's what you felt when you walked into this building or even onto the parking lot. By the way, congratulations for coming out in a Category 3 storm. You guys rock, all right? The people at 11 o'clock don't know it, but they're going to get the worst of it. So you, you were really brilliant in, in coming early. But we are a church that's just known throughout these communities. I rarely run into someone that hasn't heard of new life and doesn't have wonderful things to say about us. And it's almost always in the category of this kind, loving, caring, accepting group of people who are making a difference in the community. So today, we're going to press into how did we actually get to be that way? And we're going to talk over the next four weeks about these things, about inspiration, relationships, innovation, and empowerment. Inspiration is what we hope you feel and sense Every time you come to church, it's what we hope that our youth experience every time they come to youth group or go to classes or whatever. We want, we want ourselves and people to always be inspired. Relationships, well, that's the reason that when we're done, you don't leave. You hang out. You hang out for a long time in the lobby. It's not like, it's not like the library where when you're done, you just quietly exit and no one talks to anyone because relationships are a big deal. Innovation is what keeps our church fresh and vibrant and not just rehashing the things that we've always done. And empowerment is what brings out the best in every one of us. And so we're going to dig into those four things and sort of peel back the onion over the coming weeks. Today we're going to talk about inspiration. How did that get in here? Do you know who that is? Yeah, that's me when I was a teenager. 
I know. I look like such a little kid, right? The story of our church actually begins a couple of years before that picture was taken. You might not realize it, but I was a preacher's kid. I grew up going to church about 200 evenings a year. How about that? Okay, that's a lot. I had been in hundreds and hundreds of churches. And one day when I was probably 13 or 14 years of age, I was sitting in church and the pastor referenced a a scripture in the Bible. I turned to it and I read it and it captured my attention like no passage of scripture had ever captured my attention. And if I'm being totally honest with you today, it's the single scripture that has changed my life the most. And I want to read it to you because it still captures my attention. It's found in Acts chapter 2. And it's the story of the very first church. And it was the church in Jerusalem. And here's how it's described. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I sat in church spellbound by that particular passage of Scripture because I had been in hundreds of churches and they were good churches led by good people and well-intentioned people. But I had, what struck me was I had never been in that kind of a church. Ever. I've been in churches all over the country. But I'd never been in that kind of a church. I'd never seen one of those. And as a young teenage boy, sitting there in church, I bowed my head and I said, God, someday I want to be part of one of those. I don't know if there are any of them. I've never seen one. But I want to be part of one of those. Looking back, there were three things that intuitively I knew about this church that were different from any church I had ever seen. And the first one was everyone was absolutely excited to be there. I mean, they couldn't wait to be the, to be there. In fact, if you noticed, they actually met every day. How about that? That would take some real excitement, wouldn't it? How about if we started 2019 and said, you know, one of the changes we're going to make at New Life is we're going to do church every day, all right? Yeah, you'd be going, whoa. Now that's a commitment, right? But these people were so excited that somehow they found a way to get together, not always with the whole group, but in small groups day after day. Secondly, their lives were deeply changed. These were people who were bored with church. They didn't call it church. They called it synagogue because they were Jewish by nature, by nationality. But they were bored with synagogue life. And yet there was something different about this gathering of people, this movement of people. There was something different about the followers of Jesus. And they just couldn't get enough of it. And, and so their lives were deeply changed to the point that they became happy and joyful people who were filled with generosity. And if, if I were to read you the whole context of that passage, some of them, as they were able, made giant donations. They actually sold pieces of land and houses and other things and literally brought all the money and, and, and used it to help start this movement of Jesus. It was phenomenal. And then last of all, they had a great impact 
on their community. In other words, they weren't just all about the church. They were actually about their community as well. And they were influencing their whole community. A while ago, I walked into an emergency. I walked into the ICU unit of Petaluma Valley Hospital. And one of our church members was in there and hanging between life and death. And I went in to pray with her. And God did a miracle during that prayer. And as I was walking out the door, the lady who was behind the desk stopped me and said, Sir, what did you do while you were in there? I said, well, I simply took her by the hand and prayed with her. She said, I don't know what happened, but that lady has been here for five days and her numbers have steadily declined. And in the last two minutes, her numbers have miraculously recovered and she is actually recovering. Yeah, that was God. So she said, who are you? (laughs) that's part of the question, this is us, right? I said, I'm just a pastor in town. And she said, what church? And I said, "Uh, actually, I'm I'm a pastor at New Life. I, I just have to share with you her response. She said, I should have known. I said, really, how would you know? She said, the first thing really doesn't make any difference. She looked at me and said, well, you're not dressed like a pastor. You're dressed like somebody who's hip. <laughs> then she said, she said, you're that church that blesses everybody across our town. And she said, I don't even go to church. But if I did, I would go to New Life. How about that? Yeah, that's who we are. That's who God has... That's who God has made us, this impact on our community. So now, hey, how about that? For those of you who don't know, that's my beautiful wife, Monica. And we have been married for 47 years. And yes, I would make her stand up, but I would sleep on the couch tonight if I did. So I'll keep my happy home, thank you. But this is us when we were 46 And I was pastoring a thriving church in Honolulu, and God brought Petaluma. Actually, he brought southern Sonoma County and Marin counties on my radar as perhaps the most unchurched area in our nation. And the message I got from God was very clear. Let's go make a difference in this place that really needs it. And the subtext of that message was also very clear to me, and I knew it immediately. God said, let's go build an Acts 2 church. And I went right back in my mind to sitting in that church pew as a teenage kid. And and, and my prayer, God, someday I want to be part of a church like that. And God said, here's how I'm going to answer that prayer. Let's go build it together. Well, that brought up some very interesting questions. What should be different about this church? If this church is actually going to make a difference, I know that there are already churches in that community, but if we're going to make a difference in the community, something has to be different about this church, or it won't make any difference. 
Well, that was a big question to me. And God took me to a passage of Scripture that at first, have you ever gone to church and the pastor said something that was so painfully obvious? You want to go, duh, I could have told you that. God took me to this passage of Scripture that came from the lips of Jesus where Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. In other words, Jesus is like a magnet. And if you get people close enough to Jesus, and Jesus is the center of what we do, that somehow they get drawn in by Jesus. This is this is what's known as a hypothesis. It starts with an if statement and it ends with a result statement. If this condition exists, this is the result you can expect. And so my question to God was, I don't know a single church on the face of planet earth that wouldn't tell you that. That, that the church is about Jesus. In fact, it's all about Jesus. It's teaching people about Jesus. It's having people learn about Jesus. It's studying Jesus' teachings. It's learning how to follow Jesus' teachings. So every church in the world would tell you that. And God started leading me to some questions that became eye-opening for me. Because what God was really saying is, what if the church wasn't about Jesus? Are you ready for this? What if the church was Jesus to the people? What if they didn't just come and study about Jesus and get to be religious? What if their hands became the hands of Jesus to the people around them? And what if their eyes became the eyes of Jesus and they saw people like Jesus sees them? And what if their arms became the arms of Jesus and they loved people as Jesus loved people? What if the church wasn't just making people religious and coming and singing songs and taking communion and getting baptized and going through the rituals? What if it's not about that? as good as those things are. And what if the purpose of the church isn't to make people more spiritually, to read their Bible regularly, to pray regularly, to do all the things that, quote, good Christians should do, as good as reading the Bible is and praying and all those things. But what if there's something deeper than that? Because every church I know tries to make people religious. Every church I know tries to make people more spiritually. And here was the big one. What if it's not about correcting people's behavior? What if it's not about a list of do's and don'ts? What if it's not about keeping all the God rules and doing all the God things and staying away from all the not-so-God things? What if it isn't about that? Now we were starting to get close to what the secret sauce of that first church was that made people so excited to be there. And here's the thing. What if the goal is to help people engage, encounter, and engage with Jesus? Hmm. You know one of the things that made that first church such a dynamo? 500 people in that church saw Jesus alive after he was resurrected. You think that might make a difference? <clears throat> they had 
personally encountered, and they were now engaging with Jesus. <clears throat> I thought, as I looked at that, I thought, wow, now that makes sense to me. And if that's what Jesus meant, if, if I am lifted up, if people are actually encountering and engaging with me, amazing things will happen and their lives, they'll be excited to go to church and their lives will be deeply changed. I will change their lives and I will use them in great ways to impact the community. That led me to this. I wonder what that would look like. What would it look like? How could we help people encounter Jesus and engage with Him? And maybe more importantly, how would we even know that people were actually encountering and engaging with Jesus? So, on the flight over here from Honolulu, I'm processing all of this with God. And and just, it seemed like every question that he brought up for me and then answered led to another question. And then he would answer that. And that would lead to another question. And so this is where he eventually led me to. If people really encounter Jesus at this church, they will end up feeling the same way people did when they came to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, that's how the church should be. When people walk in the doors of our building, and it actually gets far more reaching than that. We'll see in just a minute. But this was the culture that God said, we should build in this church. So that led to this. How did people feel when they came to Jesus? That would be important for us to know. And so let's dig into that just a little bit. I want to take you to one of my favorite passages of Scripture that talks about Jesus, and it was a prophecy about Jesus. And it's actually a very popular passage during the Christmas season because it talks about the birth of Jesus. And so let's read it. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And as I was reading through that, I realized not a searchlight, right? Where you can get that in a lot of churches. They put the light on you, man. And they're going to find out what's wrong in your life and get that corrected. Not that. A personal flashlight to illuminate the path that God would lead you down. They would see a great light. And the light would shine on those living in the land of dark shadows. That's confusion, uncertainty, and doubt. And you will give them great joy. Do you think they would be inspired with hope? Yeah, sure. For you will break the heavy load. You know what I knew? I knew the average person that comes to church for the first time carries with them a boatload of guilt. They know the wrong things they've done. They're just wondering... Can God do anything with all this guilt that I carry? And maybe more importantly, will he do anything good with it? And I knew the last thing that people needed was more guilt when they came to church. They needed to be inspired with hope. And Jesus is the one who breaks that heavy load from their neck and shoulders. And you will break the power of what made it hard for them. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Now, how do we know this is about Jesus? For to us, this is the very next thing. For to us, a child will be born. To us, a son will be given. We all know that's about Jesus. And the rule of the nations will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called. Just 
pause right there. His name will be called. Not because God calls him this. The people called him this. They called him wonderful. Because there was a sense of wonder when they encountered and engaged him. A wow factor, if you would. They will call him teacher. Because every time they encounter him or engage with him, they learn. They will call him the powerful God because not only would he claim to be God, he would begin to redefine what God looked like for them. And he would take God off of the judgment throne where they thought he lived and never got off of. And what would he teach them about God? That God was the Father who lives forever. Their eternal Father, their eternal Dad, who loved them unconditionally. It was from the lips of Jesus that they would hear, For God, for your God, loves the world, loves you so much that he gave his one and only Son. It was from the lips of Jesus that these people would hear when they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he said, here's how you pray. What are the first two words? Our Father. Huh. Jesus would redefine God as the Father who loved them dearly and deeply. And in the end, the people would call him the Prince of Peace because he had a way of quieting the chaos in their broken world. And whenever they would walk away from Jesus, they somehow had the feeling everything was going to be okay. There are literally hundreds of stories of people who came to Jesus. I just want to give you two or three sentences about five of them. And it's a, it's a wide variety. Let's start with two blind beggars. They lived in the city of Jericho. They were sitting along the side of the main street that went through Jericho. And a crowd of people were coming. And, and somehow they were able to learn from the crowd that Jesus was in the middle of the crowd. And they began to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. And the people said, please be quiet. Jesus has more important things to do than give sight to two blind beggars. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine saying that to anybody, but they did. And in the middle of it all, Jesus parted the crowd, walked up, and those two blind beggars left with the touch of Jesus and their sight restored, and they were two happy dudes. Life looked different. No, yes, pun intended, all right? Children, okay? One day parents were bringing children to Jesus And they wanted Jesus to hold them on his lap and to put his arms around them and to pass a blessing on to them. Justin, talk to you about baby D. That is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take children in our arms and we are going to pray over them the blessing of Jesus in their lives. Because if Jesus did that and we are Jesus to the world, guess what we do? We do that too. And those children and those parents left that day with the touch of Jesus and the blessing of Jesus on their children. 
One day Jesus was walking along the shore of this massive lake that they called the Sea of Galilee. And he saw four fishermen and they were at the end of their work day. And as Jesus passed along, he said to these four fishermen who felt like ordinary, common, everyday laborers who had no power to change the world. He said to them, come and follow me and I will teach you how to fish for men. And those four men left and they received the touch of Jesus countless times. And you know something? Their names were Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And I'll bet we have at least one Peter, one Andrew, one James, and one John in our audience today, 2,000 years later. And those four men, the book of Revelation tells us, have their names etched in the foundation of heaven. How about that? Hmm. A wealthy woman walked in where Jesus was one day And she knew she was the wrong gender to approach Jesus because in her culture, only men were ever allowed to approach a rabbi. But she knew there was something different about Jesus. And she approached Jesus and she took a very expensive jar of perfume. The Bible says it was more than a year's wages. So just figure out what your annual wage is and Ask yourself, do I have a bottle of perfume at home that's that worth that much, right? I don't care who you are, that's a lot of money. And she poured it over Jesus, and the people around her scolded her, and Jesus corrected them. And she left with the blessing and guidance of Jesus and hope for her future. And last of all, one day Jesus was walking through the town of Jericho, and he saw up in the tree a swindling cheat who was a Jewish traitor who had sold his soul to the Roman government. But he still wanted to see Jesus. What was that passage? If I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. Not just the good ones, all of them. And this guy was drawn to Jesus. And the crowd was shocked when Jesus said to him, come on down, man. I'm going to go to your house. Let's, let's, Let's hang out together tonight. Huh. All of these people and many others had three things in common. When they encountered and engaged with Jesus, every one of them felt fully accepted just as they were. Jesus didn't ask them what they had done. He didn't ask anything about their behavior. He didn't ask anything about their intentions. Do you intend to follow me? Do you intend to give your life to me? Because if you don't intend to give your life to me, I don't want anything to do. Nope, didn't make any difference. He accepted them just as they were. They felt loved just as they were, and they were inspired with hope for their future. Now here's the whole teaching in one slide. Who are we? We are Jesus followers who believe that when people encounter us, not just at church, by the way, at Safeway as well. Got it? Let me preach a little more pointedly. On the roads, when you're driving. At the doctor's office, when you're standing in an ungodly long line and have been sitting there for an hour. At at Kaiser Pharmacy, when you've been waiting for your name to come up there for 45 minutes, okay? Got it? We are Jesus followers who believe, we believe it down here, that when people encounter us, 
they should feel exactly the way people did when they came to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. My prayer for all of you who are here, and especially for those of you who are brand new to new life. If you come here all the time, there's nothing in here that was a surprise for you except maybe how it was stated. Because you feel that Sunday after Sunday. But for those of you who are brand new, my prayer for our church, my prayer for you, is that somewhere in what we've done this morning, somewhere you have encountered Jesus, and that somewhere you have felt fully accepted as you are, fully loved exactly as you are, and you are inspired with hope for your future. Let's pray. Jesus, you are amazing. And we sang about how wonderful you are. And we have been touched by who you are. Would you help us to be that church that just puts you on and wears you like a garment? That when people come and they encounter us, that they sense there's something deeper and more wonderful And in the end, they will learn that it's actually you living in us, that we are actually the body of Christ and that we're not here to make people religious or to make them more spiritual or to correct their behavior. But we are here so that we can be the light of the world and when people encounter us, that somehow they would be encountering you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this coming year. Would you do great and inspiring things through us? And would you build our love and our faith and our hope? Would you make us even more the people who are Jesus to our world? That's our prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.